Dr. Zach Wong today. Uh, we are going to talk about tendinopathies. We had somebody on Instagram that goes by at PMP Labs uh, ask Zach a question about uh, elbow tendinopathy. And in a previous episode, we kind of talked about knee tendinopathy. So that'd be a good time to kind of jump in um, to what tendinopathies are, how you kind of know that you might have one. And then from a training rehab modification standpoint, um, like how we should address that. So Zach, tendinopathies, what are they? How do they happen? Uh, and are they going to injure, you know, fitness life if you have one? No, they're for sure not going to be a long-term issue for most people. Um, so the key thing to start with is, is the terminology tendinopathy. So Johnny and I have both been in this rehab world for a while now. And so the, the vocabulary we use has changed in the last few years. So it used to be that we always talked about tendinitis in different areas. And now the terminology has really switched to tendinopathy. And the reason for that is that the, the itis refers to an inflammatory condition. And we used to really think that anytime a tendon got mad, it was an inflammatory issue. And that's why in the past, you know, if you had Achilles tendinopathy or rotator cuff pain, your doctor was getting you on anti-inflammatory medications and having you ice it. And in the last 10 years, there's been a giant body of research out there on tendinopathies that basically say, yes, it does go through an inflammatory process, but the inflammatory stuff is probably less what we need to be worried about. We need to be worried more so about just the simple fact that is we have asked that tendon to do a little bit more than it was prepared to do. And, and let's just think of it as the tendon got broken down a little bit. So we're gonna keep this very superficial and not go in the weeds on the science here. But if you work out, and you are sore the next day from your workout, like your muscles are sore. What happens when you work out is you actually break down the, the proteins and, and fibers inside of the muscle itself. And it is that breakdown, that little micro damage that makes you feel sore or this like low level of pain. The same thing happens to tendons when you work out. They get broken down a little bit. Hopefully the body recovers and then builds them up a little bit bigger and a little stronger. If we ask a tendon to do a lot more than what it was prepared for, either in, you know, one workout or multiple workouts or a, just a long training block, if we're continually asking it to do a little bit more than what it's prepared for, it gets broken down a little bit. It recovers a little bit between workouts, but not really fully recovers. It gets broken down again. It doesn't fully recover. And that process happens over and over until that soreness becomes a little bit more than soreness it starts to become pain. And there will be some inflammation in parts of this pain, uh, but really it's more about just that overall overload. I like to think of this as like a bank account. If you have $1,000 going into your bank account every week and you're withdrawing 900 and to pay your bills, you're gonna be building up a surplus because you have an extra 100 there. But if you have a 1,000 going into your bank account every week and you're always spending $1,100, your savings account is gonna start to dwindle and eventually you're gonna get to a point where you run out of money and that's when you get into financial trouble or from a tendon perspective, that's when the tendon starts to get mad. So it's an, it's an overloading issue. We just asked it to do more than it was prepared for in terms of its calls. Any questions on that before we kind of jump more into the treatment process? Uh, so I think the one thing for people too, just uh, inflammation is good. I think that uh, yeah. that's a demonized term in our society. Inflammation's bad. I have chronic inflammation. I'm going to die. Uh, inflammation is how our body heals. And Absolutely. so for 
your tendon to have inflammation is actually a good thing because that means it is repairing from that process. Um, and icing or some of the other things that people like to use to kind of inhibit those pain generators are actually like catabolic to the healing process, meaning that they yeah. slow it down. So uh, just a quick note in there, inflammation is not bad. It's a good thing. Um, and your tendon has to be inflamed in order to get stronger. So there uh, can certainly be too much of it. But for the most part, like we, yep. we do want that process to happen. And there's some research out there in the hypertrophy world that taking anti-inflammatories, like taking ibuprofen will actually result in you getting less hypertrophy. So like if your goal is to build more muscle yes. and you're taking ibuprofen every day, you're going to blunt the inflammatory response that will drive some of hypertrophy. There's also some research in ice baths, which are, of course, super popular right now that shows that you might not get as big of a hypertrophy response if you're regularly taking ice baths. I don't know that that is like definitive in that area or like if it's actually significant enough to like, we're talking about you gaining one pound of muscle the next year versus five, but it is there. Damn. That's, I love an ice bath, man. That's maybe that's why I can't get jacked. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I am not uh, an ice bath person. Not at all. Yeah, they hurt, but um, so back to the, back to the topic. So yeah. How do you, diagnosing a tendinopathy, uh, when should a person look for that diagnosis? Is there like a timeline where, you know, you've had that, like, this is not just uh, soreness and pain. This is like, now I would think that my Achilles is like uh, breaking down from running too much. The diagnostic part from a tendinopathy is typically pretty easy. You're going to just notice that when you do certain movements that load a muscle and it's associated tendons, then it gets a little bit irritated. So if we're taking an Achilles tendinopathy, you will notice that when you run, when you do double unders, when you do box jumps, things that really load the calf and Achilles tendon, it will get irritated afterwards. And then typically also with tendinopathies, when you squeeze or put pressure on that tendon, you'll also find parts in there that the pressure of palpating that tendon produces your pain a little bit. So it makes the, the diagnostic part of that relatively easy. It's not usually going to be a, a very tricky thing to diagnose. Um, in terms of when people should seek out, out help for it, um, I think the vast majority of time, people can kind of self-rehab it. And it's just a matter of, do, do you get ahead of it before it gets bad? Like, is it just creating some discomfort when you exercise? Then we can talk through what you do to rehab it. If it's starting to get to the point where it's getting into like activities of daily living and things like that, that might be when you want to find somebody to actually discuss this with that can actually like help you find a better, more aggressive treatment plan. If it's been going on for longer than a month too, you probably also want to go have it checked out by, by somebody that really is understanding of sports rehab. Like you don't want to go see somebody that's going to immediately say, oh, you got tendon pain. We need to jump in an MRI. We need to do a cortisone injection or something like that. Um but most of the time people can self-treat it and the way you're going to self-treat it, or if, if you're seeking some guidance and you want to know if the guidance you're seeking from a physical therapist, Cairo, uh, MD, whatever is good, what they should be looking at is your overall training volume. Like what's happened in your training history lately? Have you just, you know, asked your body to do a little bit more than it was prepared for? Did you start working on double unders this month and you decided to do 10 minutes of double unders before every CrossFit <laughs> class for a month? And you're used to only seeing jump rope pop up, you know, once a week, once every other week, and you just put a whole lot more load on that tendon that was prepared for. Those are the things that you need to look back at your training history on, talk with your medical provider and kind of identify what you need to adjust in your training. But then overall, we typically kind of go through two different phases with rehabbing a tendon. It's heavy, slow loading. 
So in most research studies, you see they'll do like three sets of 12 really slow, heavy lifts with enough load that we create usually a little bit of discomfort in that tendon that then settles down after working and loading that tendon. So it feels like an Achilles tendinopathy. We're going to do some really slow weighted calf raises with enough weight that we produce, you know, like a three out of 10 pain in the tendon. But later that day, you're kind of back down to your baseline. And we hit that three or four times a week. And basically what we're doing is we're trying to slowly build that tendon strength back up. We're loading it up heavy enough that you create a little discomfort in that area, but not so much that we keep it flared up for 24 hours so that it can then recover and build itself back up a little bit stronger. And we typically do that. And, you know, every time you go, you're just going to put a little bit more weight on the bar or whatever you're doing to always kind of stay in that slight discomfort zone. And so what you should see is over the course of, you know, a month to six months, depending on the severity of the tendon uh, pain that you have, that it should regularly show like objective improvements in what you're doing where you used to feel like when you did 50 double unders, it used to make five out of 10 tendon pain. Now it's only a three out of 10 when you do that volume, but you shouldn't notice some things like that, just regularly improving as you go along. And then typically what we also see is the tendons roll. It's like a giant rubber band. It's like the muscle contracts and it stretches that rubber band that then propels you forward into whatever movement you're trying to do. So typically after the heavy, slow loading stuff, when that tendon's getting really strong and not super irritable, then we do a little bit more dynamic loading. So that's when we start to really up our double underwork for an Achilles tendinopathy. That's when for a, a knee, maybe we start doing some push presses or something like that, where we just really quickly dip down into that dip position to kind of quickly stretch and load that patellar tendon before we then do the push press itself, things like that. So heavy, slow loading to a little bit more dynamic stuff is, is typically what we do from a loaded up treatment perspective. So uh, as far as pain dealing with the pain research says isometrics are great for tendon pain right so practically if you're trying to make yourself feel a little bit better mm -hmm. uh for your adls what are some ways uh golfer's elbow knee achilles uh anything else that you think is common that you would kind of like give somebody from an isometric standpoint yeah thanks for bringing that up i can't believe i forgot that um so isometrics refer to like contracting a muscle without moving anything so that's like if you're showing off your biceps, you're just like reaching your arms out to the side, your biceps and triceps are both contracting at the same time. So they're not producing any movement, but they're active. Isometrics have been shown for some tendons to be really good at creating like temporary pain relief. That doesn't happen for everybody, but I do test this out for most people that I treat that have a tendinopathy. So let's say you're dealing with like knee tendinopathy. I'll get somebody to sit in like a leg extension machine or use a band um, or something like that's immovable. But we get on that leg extension machine. We load it up with a heavy weight, so heavy that we can't actually move it. And then we press into it. And typically what you see prescribed from an isometric standpoint is five sets of 30 second isometrics. And that does a really good job of very often warming up the tendon. So something else that we didn't discuss on a diagnostic standpoint is that tendons tend to warm up. So you go into the gym and you're dealing with, with patellar tendinopathy. You do a couple air squats and man, they feel a little rough. Then you jump on the, the assault bike and you jump on the row or you do something to get your heart rate up and loads that tendon kind of lightly for a little while. You go back to some air squats. Typically those air squats are then going to feel a little bit better because tendons warm up. 
then as the workout goes on and let's say it's like a workout like Karen, which why anybody's doing Karen, I don't know. Cause that's just a miserable <laughs> workout and I'm six two and I still don't want to do Karen. Um, but you do 150 wall balls. It felt good after you warmed up by the time you get late in that workout, it's seen a lot of volume. It starts to flare back up. So it starts high, warms up, kind of goes back up later in the workout or after the workout. But isometrics are a great way to start to speed up that warm-up process so that you can do a little bit more, work on your fitness more when you're in the gym. That's a super common thing with runners, right? Like I've had the experience yeah. that people, some of the people I work on have this experience where, you know, they have really bad Achilles pain and then they go out for a run. Why? They don't know, but uh, they go out for a run and one to two miles into the run, they're like, you know what? I feel a lot better. Like, and it normalizes <laughs> until I hit that volume standpoint. Um, same principle there if you're a, a runner. So you covered treatment of it, which is, you know, slow loading, building into like more dynamic, uh, are you using plyometric? Like, do you use that like level of like force? I will for like more of my like athletic populations. Like if you're a, if you're a basketball player, we're probably going to incorporate more like box jump plyometric where you're jumping onto and off of like multiple boxes in a row for like my CrossFit athlete, which is more of what I treat. I tend to go more towards, just progressing them back into the movements that they want to do. That Achilles tendinopathy, it's us managing how many double unders they're doing for a little while and slowly upping those double unders. And that becomes their plyometric training because it's a little bit more specific to what they need. But it should be part of the the late stage rehab always. Okay. As far as timelines on this, uh, I think some people don't like hearing this, but it's not quick, right? You're not going to get rid of a tendinopathy in two weeks necessarily. It it all kind of really depends on where it is. Like you will get some like really low tendinopathies that can be gone in a month, but very frequently I've got one on my schedule right now where, you know, she's had tendinopathy for going on 10 years in the, in, um, her bilateral patella tendons. And she is somebody that is steadily improving, but like we had to have an upfront conversation and this might be a year long process for her to kind of completely get rid of that stuff. Cause tendons do heal and recover fairly slowly. That's why a lot of people end up getting tendon up tendon pain because your muscles tend to respond a little bit faster to load than tendons themselves do. Is that blood supply or is that collagen matrix? Like what's the the scientific reason behind the slow healing process? Not enough Wolverine. Somebody juice. smarter than me knows the answer to that. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Um, so it can be fairly slow. Can people train through tendinopathy? I know in the running community, it's actually encouraged to run as long as your yeah. BAS is like five or less, which yeah. is visual analog scale for you guys that don't know what that means. <clears throat> Yeah, I like a silver nagel pain monitoring model is kind of like my go-to for people with tendon pain. So it like rates your pain on a zero to 10 basis and kind of gives you guidelines for what you can and can't do. Pain greater than a five is a red light. It's like we're not exercising greater than a five. Pain that's like zero to two. Discomfort. Knowing that something's up with the tendon, but that it's not more than discomfort, that's a green light, continue to go. When you're in between that and that yellow light, that's when you're okay to continue working out. But what you need to make sure is that within the next 24 hours, you kind of return back to your baseline. So like if, um, let's say you have rotator cuff tendinopathy, we do a workout that has a bunch of overhead presses in it. And it was uncomfortable. It was a three or a four during the workouts. And every day you're reaching up in the morning to grab your coffee mug out of the shelf. And if it's like a one out of 10 today, we do that overhead press workout 
after getting our coffee mug that morning. Tomorrow morning, I'll reach up to grab my coffee mug and now it's a four out of 10. I had not recovered from that previous workout 24 hours later and it was in a yellow light. That would be another indication that we probably asked a little bit too much of that tendon compared to what it was prepared for. So um, greater than a five is a red light, three to four is a yellow light, monitor your 24 hours response, zero to two is kind of a green light on that. And I like those numbers because like CrossFitters, you know, we tend to be type A. And so I think having those numbers are really helpful. But for a lot of other people, it's simply, how do you feel? How do you respond to that? Um, and is that an acceptable level of pain or is that too much pain? The last thing I do think we need to discuss in terms of tendinopathy, though, is, is what do we do from an injection standpoint? Because that's one thing that mm. that a lot of our people are going to look at doing. And I think that we need to uh, have an honest discussion about that because their injections are recommended quite a bit for tendinopathies. And I typically don't think that that's the right route to go. So there are two types of injections that you typically see recommended for this. Number one is PRP, platelet-rich plasma. It became really popular, what, five years ago or so, probably. Um, platelet-rich plasma has been shown repeatedly in multiple research studies to be not any more effective than just injecting saline, salt water, into the tendons. So they're expensive. They're not typically going to be covered by insurance. I don't think that that it is a valuable use of your money to get a PRP injection. I don't think the research stands behind that very much anymore. The other thing that you'll hear quite a bit of is corticosteroids being injected into tendons. And corticosteroids do a great job of decreasing any inflammatory process that's in there. So people will feel better. The problem is that corticosteroids do not build the tendon strength up any. So we have a tendon. Let's define what the issue is here. The tendon was overloaded and broken down. So we do a treatment that calms down the inflammation, but doesn't build it up. So it doesn't get to the root cause of what's going on. So while it calms your pain down, we're not having a long-term fix from this. And secondary to that, corticosteroids do weaken tissues long-term. And so, you know, I'm, I'm biased because I'm a physical therapist. You're biased as a massage therapist, CrossFit coach that we want our interventions to be things that are going to build you up, even if it's a little slower. But long-term mean you're going to be healthier, better performing long-term. And so both of us are going to be biased very much against using a uh, corticosteroid as part of your tenopathy treatment plan. I'd rather you follow heavy slow loading for a longer period of time with appropriate modifications to your training than do something that will negatively impact you for a while. And there's so many things you can do to moderate pain if that's your biggest concern too. From, uh, you know, there's so many little tricks and things out there that can just reduce that enough where you're comfortable again and able to continue heavy, slow loading. But that's, you know, fixing the actual problem is the answer. What about uh, stem cell stuff? Is that on the radar for you yet at all with like tendon issues or is that not? I would love to see a lot more research on that. To me, theoretically, I could see that being something that could have some possible potential benefits for people that have um, more long-standing chronic tendinopathies, but I'm not sold on it yet. I think if you go talk to somebody that does stem cell injections, you know their bias is going to be that it works, just like my bias is going to be that it's going to be the loading stuff that works long-term. Um, if you do it, it would for sure have to be in combination with appropriately dosed exercise to take advantage of the stem cell opportunity that your body has to build that tendon stronger. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sold on it, but it's certainly an and thing, not a just get a stem cell thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, that's even 
harder to come by as an option and much, much more expensive than PRP. And yeah, the, the, the PRP corticosteroid research is a lot more robust in that area than stem yeah. cells. That's why I could talk fairly confidently about my opinions on that, but not so much on stem cells. Um, as far as one other thing that we kind of didn't mention here, um, there can a broken down tendon can also be caused sometimes by other things, right? So lack of range of motion in a certain joint, putting apparent force through a tendon. Um, there, there's uh, things outside of it just being overuse. Um, so from a, a standpoint of kind of what we do here at Performance Plus, uh, what kind of things, what tools do we have out there that people can be looking at that kind of like give them maybe another reason uh, to think about this is where my tendinopathy came from? Yeah, so I'd say check out Ultimate Mobility Checklist, performancepluspprogramming.com backslash ultimate dash mobility dash checklist. So that resource, it's free. It takes you through a bunch of different tests for different movements so you can identify where your mobility might be off. So let's say you have tendinopathy in your knee, your training volume has been fine. So you don't think that it's a training volume error, but you think maybe the way you move puts more stress in the knee, run through the different tests we have from a squat perspective. You might find that you have great ankle mobility, but poor hip mobility, which might be leading to you leveraging that ankle mobility more in your squats and loading that, that patellar tendon a little bit more just because of where your mobility is. And that would help you kind of identify what should I be working on from an accessory standpoint, besides this loading stuff that we've already talked about to make sure I'm spreading my load across all tissues when I do these different movement patterns. Love it. And I think too, practically there's sometimes when you have tendinopathies, there's things that you just kind of don't really want to necessarily do. Uh, and this might give yeah. you some constructive things that you can, some of the programs we have will give you constructive things that you can do to keep improving your fitness uh, while that tendon's getting reloaded and is able to tolerate the demands again. I had, uh, as you know, some knee stuff last year and, um, you know, deep, heavy squats at high volumes weren't really my best friend. So there's plenty. It was, it was nice to have other things to work on uh, that made me feel good about myself. So make sure to check those things out. Uh, anything else you think is notable that we should add to this conversation? No, I think that hits the uh, the big points of what people yeah, need to be thinking was, of. I, I think that you can probably skip years of school by listening to this podcast and this implementing this guy. So uh you're welcome for that. Um, but thank you for joining us. Uh, make sure to come back and check it out again. Uh, we always have really good practical information. I even learned things on this and I pride myself on being a nerd. So uh, we will talk to you soon. 